Anita, how's your mental health? <laughs> Questionable <laughs> at all times. You know this. Yeah. How's the mental health of your children? Um, also a little bit tricky. Can I tell you my experience in trying to find therapists for myself and my kids, Mel? Yes, please. Okay. This is how it goes. You ask around your friends and your family for a referral for somebody who's nearby. You finally find somebody who sounds like they might work for your family. You give them a call and you find out that A, they're not accepting new patients or B, they have a huge wait list. So you start over again and you ask people if they know anybody who would be a good therapist and a good fit. Finally, you find one, you go and you meet with them and you figure out that you don't actually like them that much. But it's been so much work to find somebody who you can go to in your area that you're kind of stuck with them. Well, do you have any ideas for how to get around this? Um, I do, because guess what? I've actually had some therapists that I have found on my own, which involves what you're saying. Sometimes I remember one time I was like three hours in the bathtub on my phone looking through yeah. websites. I was such a prune at the end. But I have also had the experience with working with BetterHelp and it was like, I, I don't want to say too good to be true, but because it is true, but it's like amazing because I was matched with my therapist within 24 hours. And you didn't have to go through all of that other ridiculous process of trying to find somebody. And here's the cool thing too, is if that person didn't work out for you, you can just switch and say, and it's not like you're committing to another years long search for somebody who you're going to jive with. It's true. And I lucked out or maybe just BetterHelp is really good at matching people together because I never had to change my therapist. I loved her. Perfect fit for me. And I know that some of our friends have used BetterHelp and they've had to change therapists and boom, same day can change. Easy peasy. You can ghost your therapist. <laughs> Get a new one. I love this idea. BetterHelp is one of our sponsors. If you use our promo code, trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN, you get 10% off your first month and we totally recommend it. Yes. Get some therapy. That's <laughs> trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN. Anita, please don't hate me today. I hate everybody today. So I'm trying not to hate you too. What did I do? Nothing. You just exist in this stupid world. Okay. Is there any way that you could just not be mad at me, but then hate everybody else? Yeah, I'll try. Whatever. I think it's it's rough that we record these on Sunday because I hate Sundays. Is there anybody who's with me on this? Weekends are stupid. And Sundays are especially stupid for me because those were the days that were like family days for us. And so now it's just like a big fat reminder of how stupid life is. So maybe we should record this on Friday? Yeah, or any other day because I hate Sunday. And so people listening to this podcast probably think I'm always super grumpy. Sorry. Well, I mean, you know, you are. <laughs> so. That's not true. Sometimes I'm not grumpy. Like Wednesday at 10 a.m. When you ride bikes. Yes, actually, that is true. Okay, Wednesday at 10 a.m., we have mm -hmm. to start recording this portion. <laughs> okay. For my mental health. <laughs> so that you don't feel hated? Yeah. Okay. That's I don't fine. hate you, Mel. Yes. Okay. Thanks. You're well, welcome. I had a weird weekend. It was funny. Do you want to hear about it? Yeah. So... I'm not sure if they do this in other parts of the country, but 
in Utah, when rec centers are going to drain their pools, their outdoor pools, they open it up to the dogs. Woof. So we participated. It was the most exhausting thing that I've ever been to with my dogs in my life. Why was it so exhausting? Okay, the thing that we went to, I think some places they cap the entry, like have 50 dogs. But this one was just like, any dog, any size, all of them all at the same time. So it was just chaos of dogs running around and some dogs were swimming in the pool, jumping in the pool, jumping off the diving board, biting other dogs, peeing other dogs. And then the owners, you know. There's a whole lot of energy there, but it was actually really fun. And then I had to take like a four hour nap after. Wow. They do that at the pool I swim at before they do like their cleaning, but they do it by size of dog. So I've never actually witnessed the dog melee. Yeah, I was going to go to that one, but they were sold out. Ah, I see. And this other one that I went to, they had the deep end of the pool because it was like the full olympic size swimming pool so i wanted one of my dogs to be able to swim because he loves swimming so the other one was kind of like splash pad Mm. toddler pool so Mm. that was what i did this weekend and then i had three migraines how about you let's not talk about it okay (laughs) well i have a question for you so i do want to talk about it do you ever in your brain just go down the rabbit hole of feeling like you're an imposter and you're doing a terrible job and everybody's like, you're doing such a good job. And you're like, you don't know. Like, I'm not good at anything. I'm bad parent. Well, you don't ever think that, obviously. But like... I'm the worst parent. <laughs> I have no kids. Or the best parent. Um, Just thinking like, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. I'm not even good at podcaster. You know, there's bigger, there's bigger groups who are helping more people. And you just start to like really feel bad about yourself. Do you ever do that? Anita, that's a lot of things that you think that you're bad at. I got to say, don't feel that I'm bad at all the elements in my life. But I would say maybe earlier in my life. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, let's talk about it. Doing a podcasting thing is a new thing for you. You've not been doing it as a career for a really right. long time. So it's normal to feel that way with those things. And I think don't don't all parents feel like they're imposters? I don't know. All the time? Well, I think they think it's hard. But I just feel like if you open that door a little bit, then it starts snowballing. And you're like, well, I'm bad at that too. And I'm bad at this. And, you know, I can't even do that right. And blah, 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 blah. And pretty soon... You're I'm a mess. Do we need to get you a life coach? No. Uh, well, do we need to get you a therapist? I think we need to get some chocolate. <laughs> okay, okay. I think that would fix it. And then I'll check back with you Wednesday at 10. Okay, perfect. That sounds great. But for real, though, I think it's easy when you're already in a downward spiral and things just seem like they are kicking you down. If your thinking is already in the looking for the negative and like, looking for evidence at why you're not succeeding, totally a snowball. And I know that the times where I've gotten in kind of those things are, it's just like I can't even pull myself out because it is, like you said, like a snowball or an avalanche. So it's tough. And especially like where you're at the weekend right now and weekends are always hard. And so it's always on your mind. Like Jason's not here. We used to have things this way. Now it's not. Like I see why Right. you are in that state of mind. Yeah. 
Uh, Sorry if that didn't make you feel better, but I see you. Thank you. I think, I mean, I guess that other people do that too, but then I'm like, and I know I shouldn't be doing that to myself. And then I'm like, you're bad at judging yourself too. And so just like, you know, it's like you can't catch a break, but. Well, Anita, mm -hmm. can I tell you something? Yes, please. I cut you off on purpose. Okay. Because I think you're killing it. And that doesn't help you. (laughs) But it's like, your kids are still in your house living. You're doing it every day. You're showing up. You are there. That's how I see you winning. And I know you don't feel like it because you want to be like feeling like you have your head above water. Mm-hmm. And you probably don't feel like that. From outside, it looks like you do have it together, <laughs> even though you're that's like all drowning. That matters is that I appear like things are going well ish. Right. Right. Yeah. You'd like. If you smile, then everyone's like, oh, Anita's fine. Mm -hmm. Nothing's wrong. But you show up to the podcast. This is true. You're really helping a lot of people. We get a lot of amazing comments in our group from people that we do know that it's helping really a lot. Like comments like, this is saving my life. And so you're contributing to that. And so I just want to point that out to you, that you are making a difference, even though you don't feel it in your body and in your brain. And maybe on Wednesday at 10... You'll feel a little differently. But for right now, I see you. Okay. And it's okay that you feel how you feel. You're like, shut up. I want to punch you. (laughs) I can't because you're on Zoom. No, I don't want to punch you. Ironically, earlier in the week, I was starting to feel like things were normalizing. I was like, you know what? I think that we're we're on a good track. You know, like it's taken us almost three years to feel like maybe we can start living life a little more normally. And then it's like, boom, that was not true. Anita, you're terrible at everything. So it's okay. I'm going to get over it. Let's not, let's not spend our whole podcast talking about that. Don't worry. It's only been eight minutes and 19 seconds. It's not (laughs) that long. Okay, good. Okay. Everybody. Remember last week when we talked about we are in phase one of starting in-person meetups. You know that we're widows and we're working on getting this together in a timely manner. And sometimes we're a little slow. But please join the Widow Wives Club. Please sign up for the newsletter. Because when you join the Widow Wives Club and you sign up for the newsletter, which you can get by filling out the survey that Anita has posted in the Widow Wives Club or going to our website, widowwedonow.com, which BT dubs, Anita did the whole website. So I just want to say you're not failing because that website is killer. You can sign up for the newsletter and that's where we're going to have information because now we're starting to grow and we've got to find the best ways so that we can streamline facilitating these and to find people who need these in-person meetups. So please keep an eye on your email. We've been doing newsletters kind of every week, sometimes every other week. It depends on if we can get our act together. It will be coming out today. So sign up for that and then you'll be in the know and kind of help us to get those started. And if you need one in your area, you're welcome to reply to the newsletter. It'll go to our email and we'll help you from there. So we're really excited about these new things coming up for our friends and our fellow widows and widowers. So stay tuned. Also, if you want to help keep the podcast going, we welcome you to join our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash WWDN. It's just a way to support creators, podcasts, artists, musicians. So check that out if you want to support the podcast. We have four different tiers. The tiers of the widow, 
the tears of the clown the tears of anita on sunday nights we're gonna do our patreon shout out for our widow besties and up so if you join our patreon one of the perks at a certain level and up is you get a shout out in episode and this begins now we'll start with a shout out for our secret dead husband who says (laughs) don't Next, we have Constance Dahlbach. David Kelly, thank you for the unicorn. And licorice. David sent a lot of black licorice. It's been great. Don. Okay. Next, we have Don Satterwhite. Gail Paxton. Ivan Meisner. Cat. Krista Waite. And our widow wife, Amy. Amy Sapp. Ashley Han. Ashley Han. Christina Shiflett. Danielle Catterberg. Jenny Taylor. Not a Debbie Downer. Dennis Brazo. Jennifer Brown. Welcome. Jenny Wang. Kathy Murray. Spooky Scary Kirsten. Move in day is nigh. Leslie Webb. Missy Schubert. Hey, I need your skills. Rachel Barbosa. Sarah Morris. My mom. The Winehouse Karen Cornejo. Vicky Spit. The widow of... What is it again? Crap! Kirkhoff. Kirkhoff! Kirkhoff, yes, okay. Yes! Anna Tracy. The Widow Bestie. Christina Scambato. Christine Anderson. Mindy Holmgren. Don Barber. Debbie Fells. Diana Becker. Emily Thornton. Emily Toledo. Aaron Posick. Gabe Lozano. Ian Sini. Ileana Bell Ruiz. Jackie! Who does not get a clever shout-out because it landed on my turn to speak. I'm sorry, Jackie. My mom. Jenny Barrow. Jocelyn Milo. Fancy Lady Joy Kirsch. Karina Jacobo. Katie Radcliffe. Kara. Scara. Lori Farrington. Marie Hoffman. Who wrote... The most amazing tribute. And I have to say that I was feeling really down. And then I read that. And then I was like, oh, 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 we are helping people. Thank you, Marie. It was in the Widow Wives Club. Join the Widow Wives Club. Yeah. Marjorie Lewis. Mary McGowan. Peter Rukavina. Sarah Kennedy. Shannon Helm. Sunshine Haven and Disco. Tammy Schwartz. Kara Wallace. Valerie Packer and Clown Tears Wendy in honor of Anita. Thank you. I appreciate that. If you want to join our Patreon, like I said, it's patreon.com slash WWDN. If you want to just send us to buy some tacos, go to buymeacoffee.com slash widow we do now. I had a taco miracle this week wherein a taco truck appeared right where I was and I ate a taco and it was delicious Mm -hmm. what yes when you feel bad about your life I want you to remember that moment (laughs) that I was blessed from above with a taco truck listen don't you think that like in the bible manna from heaven was like tacos raining from heaven probably I mean or grilled cheese oh yeah probably or combo yeah I think so (laughs) awesome Shall we get to our episode? Yes, um. Let's do it. I'm Anita. I'm Mel. We're just two young widows hoping we're making a difference, trying to figure out 
Widow, we do now. This episode is brought to you by the Meisner Family Foundation in memory of Elizabeth Meisner. Sometimes we assume that unless we had a huge life insurance payout, we don't really need to know anything about investments or even finances. But guess what? A little knowledge of finances is critical for all of us. Maybe your partner was in charge of that stuff, and now you find yourself making all the decisions. Maybe you're mad about that. Maybe I am. Nicole from the He's Gone But The Money's Not podcast is here to help. She tackles financial literacy by telling the stories of women and widows and finance experts and shares the lessons they've learned as certified financial planners. Whether you know a lot and feel confident in your financial decisions or feel unsure about all of that stuff, there is more to learn. Listen and subscribe to the He's Gone But The Money's Not podcast on all podcast platforms. This ad was paid for by Rock House Financial, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Anita! Mel! Wow. What? <laughs> Kay, why are you so excited right now? I'm always excited. You know this. Every week, I'm like, we have a special guest, and they're always special, and this one's special too. They just keep getting more and more special. Everyone's special. Specialer and specialer. Well, who do we have today? Today, we have my good friend who I just met three minutes ago. Brandon Janice. Hi, Brandon. Hi. Thank y'all so much for having me. I I don't know that I'm specialer than the last, but I appreciate you guys saying that to me. <laughs> I don't know who was the last, but I don't want them to feel bad. So no. whoever it was, I'm not more special or spe- more specialist than you. Everybody's special together. Yes. I appreciate you guys having me. Everyone is unique and special in their own unique way. That's right. That's right. Brandon, tell us where you're recording from. So I'm in Knoxville, Tennessee, um, and we've been here a couple years now and just love it. All my family's here and it's uh, it's home. Did you grow up in Knoxville? I didn't. I didn't. I grew up in Texas and then St. Louis and then lived in Arizona and Hawaii and um, here and there and a motorhome we talked about before we pressed record. We lived in a motorhome for a year. And so, but we always kind of figured we'd be here. My dad's whole family's here. And this was kind of where home was going to be one day. And uh, so that this is this is home for now. Just when you threw in that y'all, I was like, hmm, this right. is somebody who grew up in the South. <laughs> That's right. That's right. A lot of y'all's coming at you. I love it so much. You have lived a lot of places. That is a fun life. And you must know lots of good restaurants in all of those locations. I love food and I love restaurants. And so, yes, I do. So any recommendations you need, I am for sure your guy when it comes to that. Okay. Best Texas barbecue and best Tex-Mex in Phoenix. Oh, in Phoenix. Oh my goodness. Gosh, that's a really good question. What if you didn't live in Phoenix? I lived in Tucson. I lived in Tucson. Okay, but, Tucson um, then. But no, there's one in Phoenix. Oh, I'm going to have to hit you offline because there was one in Phoenix that rocked my world. Um, but that was 20 years ago. So you got to give me some grace. Okay. I'm old. We'll get and to so... that later then. Okay. So, Sounds good. Brandon, <laughs> you are unfortunately in the Widow Club with us. We are so sorry that you're here. 
even though we're stoked that you're talking to us, makes no sense. Will you tell us a little bit about Rachel and your life together and what brought you to where you are today? Yeah, no, for sure. Thank you for for asking about her. And um, what a cool fraternity this this is though like i never knew i wanted to be in a widow or or widow community because nobody wants to but then and you don't even know it exists till you're in it which is so interesting right like this has been going on before us i think we all know that right and but then when you get in it you're like wow these people are really special and really cool and uh and unique in so many different ways and everybody's story is so different and ours is um it's probably a lot different than y'all's um i met rachel when i was 20 Um, and I'm 40 now, so 20 years ago, um, and knew the moment I met her, she was going going to be my wife one day. It took me 10 years to convince her to give me a chance. Um, but I kept going after and going after, and, um, I actually ended up moving to Hawaii and talked her into coming out and seeing me. So I don't know if it was me or Hawaii that got her, but it didn't matter because she came and, um, she said she fell and I think she did. Um, and because, I think three months later we were engaged and six months later we were married. Um, and then we're married for um, just under 10 years. We were 13 days from our 10 year uh, anniversary when she, when she passed away. Um, okay. Wait, wait, wait. It took you 10 years to convince her. Yeah. That's perseverance, man. Or yeah, well, stalking. Well, you, you could look at it either way. I, so I dated other people. She dated other people. We all like, I think we both knew it was just timing was off. We lived in different places. We had different things going on in our lives. Uh, when I was with someone, she wasn't. When she was with someone, I was, you know, so it was kind of one of those things where timing was just never right. And I don't, I don't uh, regret any of it. I think it all worked out perfectly. And then there was a time where I was in Hawaii and, and I was like, man, there's no one like her. I compared everyone to her. No one was her. No one brought the fun into my life like she did. Uh, no one loved as well as she did. And so um, at that point, I just knew like it was her or nothing. And it ended up being her. And so she she may tell the story a little bit differently, but, but it she was. Can't. <laughs> she can't. I get to tell the story now. And it was 10 years of, of a chase that uh, was well worth it for sure. So you guys basically had a rom-com. I was just going to say that, like, you need to turn this into a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's funny you say that. I've heard that before, but uh, but it, it worked. And it was, um, man, it was 10 really amazing years of the chase. And then 10 years that I got to have her as my wife, too, which was was really special. Now, you guys have kids, right? So how old are your kids? And tell us a little bit about them. Yeah. So Hadley's my oldest little girl. She's not, or she just turned 10. She just turned 10 in August. Uh, Cooper's my second little girl, and she's eight. She'll be nine in December. And then Macklin is my little man, and he's six. He'll be seven in November. And they're all, um, they're just so special and so, um, they're so precious. I am so blessed. They um, they are a lot of their mommy. Um, Hadley's had to grow up a lot these last couple of years, which I, I kind of hate. And I keep telling her, be a kid, be a kid, be a kid. You don't need to be mommy. Like we got this. And, but she's just pr- such a protector. Cooper's a, a beautiful mess, just a disaster most days. And I love everything about that. And she brings so much joy into our lives. She, if you meet Cooper, you just want to be around Cooper more and more and more. Um, but she like toes the line, like on, can I get away with this? Whereas Hadley's like, uh, no, we can't. And then Macklin, just my, he's my little man. He's my guy. He's my best buddy. And um, it's so much his mommy. And just, um, you know, there's, there's so much of her and all of them. So it's just such a gift to be able to, to see that. 
this sounds like such a great family and it's such a bummer that Rachel is not here. I'm so sorry. And I would love to hear you tell us what the RV thing was about. Yeah. So I told you a little bit before we started, but uh, I was traveling a bunch. I did some public speaking um, to different companies and um, Rachel told me early on that um, she did not want to have a husband that was on the road all the time. That's not what she was getting into this for. She wanted a partnership. She wanted to do life together. But as a, as a, as a man, I thought providing is what I needed to do no matter what it took. And so I hit the road and I did what I had to do and was able to give the life we wanted to have. Uh, but that's not what she wanted. She wanted a husband that was there and present and, and watched the kids grow up. And, uh, and I didn't know, I didn't know that until she voiced that to me, a, you know, a few times over and over and over again, until finally one day, uh, I'll never forget it. I was in St. Louis, Missouri. I was in a hotel room and she said, we're not doing this anymore. And I was like, uh-oh, I don't know what this means. And we have a five-year-old, a four-year-old and a two-year-old at the time. And she said, we're coming with you for now on. Wherever you go, we're going to go. And I was like, I don't know how that works. And she's like, oh, it works. We're going to get a motor home and that's what we're going to do. And I honestly thought she'd forget about it. Like this was just like she had a day and it was going to be, I'd come home and it'd be fine. But I came home and she had plans and she had already found a friend that had a motor home that wasn't using it that we were going to use for the year. And uh, she had already put our house up and, and like we were packing it up like six weeks later, we're in a motor home. We spent a year on the road and the just the most incredible year of my life. It, I actually, um, I haven't published anything or anything, but I've written a book on this year uh, because the lessons that I learned um, from the kids, it was not for me and Rachel being parents. It was from the kids um, during that year was just such a beautiful thing when you're just present and you realize that the webinar can wait and the, the call can wait and this can wait when you have 40 feet and there's nowhere you can go. There's no office. There's no room. There's, I mean, the bathroom is like there, right? Like there's nowhere to go. It was the most beautiful year of my life. And this was before she got sick. So, so I'm just so grateful for that time that, you know, there was, there was no accident that we did that. And, and we got to spend a, a year just in, full presence of each other. Cause again, there's nowhere to go. And, um, you learn so much about people because, cause in the RV life, there's very different groups of people. Like you're all walks of life coming together. Some are retired and super wealthy. Some they're, they're living in this trailer cause they can't live anywhere else. Right. And so you're, you're getting all these people in these different campgrounds and you learn how people are so dang good. And people that you never thought you'd cross paths with, people you'd avoid in the Walmart aisle because you're like, oh, that guy looks a little sketchy or whatever it is. Like they become your neighbors. They become your friends. They be, you, you start sharing your story with them. You learn so much about people. And again, had it not been for the kids going to talk to these people, I don't know that I would have. Like they, they taught me so much about people and how amazing they are. And um, I wish I could do it again. Um, I currently can't. But I heard so many people while we were on the road saying, oh, I want to do that. I wish I could do that. And I said, we'll do it. Like, we didn't have any reason we could. We just did. <laughs> and it was the best, best feeling or best year of, of our life by far. Do you feel like you said this already, that it wasn't by accident? I feel like that sometimes in my life where things fell into place beforehand that kind of prepared you or were that a blessing or were that a blessing? I don't even know what words I just said. 
Did I say the right words? Anyway, no. <laughs> things that happened beforehand to prepare you or to allow you to have something special before the world fell yeah. apart. Man, that gives me the chills to think about because I, I think, and I know y'all probably feel the same way. I, I bet there are 50 things that happened before Rachel got sick that had to happen for us to be where we were and to be okay. And for one thing, I had private insurance. You don't think about insurance until you need insurance. Like I had private insurance, I was paying out of pocket and it wasn't very good and we didn't need it during that time. And then I had a company that just crashed. And so I had to actually get a real job for a minute. And then I had good insurance and then Rachel got sick. And you don't think about it. You don't think about like, cause when you're sick, you don't care. Like debt doesn't matter. Nothing matters. All you want to do is get better. And it just didn't matter. But I look at it now and I'm so thankful did that business crash so I could have a real job to have real insurance to get through that time? Uh, her dad had retired a year before. And so for her parents to be able to just be here for two years and just be with us and help us and, and go through this together. And, you know, I know what it's like to lose a wife. I don't know what it's like to lose a kid. Um, they got to be there and, and, and just experience every moment with us. And so all these things that just don't make sense, um, you know, when your business is crashing, you're like, why is this happening? Oh, I'm so grateful that that business sucked <laughs> and that I, you know, that I had to do something else now. Um, so whatever you're going through right now, there's probably a reason on the other side, is, you know, and that's what I, I look at now. And so it's hard for me, you know, when someone's stressing about something, no offense to anyone, that's just kind of stupid because, <laughs> because I'm like, when you're, when, when all you're trying to do is survive for two years, you're just trying to live to the next day or find the next cure, whatever it may be. Um, you just realize that most stuff is just so stupid that we, that we stress about, that we, that we get into arguments about, that we lose sleep over. Um, and I hope I'll, I hope I'll always live that way. I hope I learned the lesson, the hard way to be able to continue to, to live my life with that attitude. How long after your year of RVing did Rachel get sick? About eight months after. So we were we were in the RV for a year. We had to decide where we were going to go live next because we weren't ready to come back to Knoxville. We just knew we had one more year. We could kind of do whatever we want before the kids started school. And I had an opportunity to come up with the business I'm a part of right now. Uh, a couple partners and I um, have a subscription box business. And um, the home office was in Omaha, Nebraska. And so they said, would you, would you guys come to Nebraska? And Rachel actually went to University of Nebraska. So she had a lot of connections in Lincoln. So she said, yes, let's go live in Lincoln, which is about an hour from Omaha. And um, again, not a surprise. I mean, not, like at the time, I'm like, why Nebraska? Like who goes to Nebraska? Who chooses to go to Nebraska? The coldest place on earth. No, it's the coldest place on earth. It, there was, but man, the people are so good. The doctors were so good. We needed the doctor we had at the time. Who knew that we needed this guy? Um, Rachel's parents were two hours away in Kansas City. They could be there anytime we needed. Like all of it made perfect sense once you look back. But so we went to Nebraska, um, and and uh, Rachel got sick uh, in in 2018, um, and. When, when we got the call, she felt a lump under her arm and, and um, in her lymph node. And um, she knew, like she just said, I, I just know what this is. And, um, but was so positive. And, you know, we had had friends that had battled breast cancer and all of them had beat it that we knew personally, right? And so like for us, it was like, okay, this is our hard right now. And we're just going to get through this. Like it still sucks. The C word sucks and you never want to hear it. 
where we're like, okay, this is, this is going to be a season that we weren't prepared for, but, um, but look at all the things that had to happen for us to be prepared for it. Right. And so she killed it like that, that first bout with cancer, like there were very few hiccups. I mean, she killed it. And, um, uh, we did all the proactive measure, measures going forward with the double mastectomy and the hysterectomy and all the things to say, let's not get this again. Uh, we got a clear bill of health. I mean, they said like, look, you're good. Like this is gone. Like, you know, yeah, do your checkups, you know, but this is good. We went on our celebration trip with some friends to Palm desert and spent a week out there and just partied it up and had a good old time. And, you know, cancer was behind us. That was in April of 2019, um, where it was behind us. We beat it. Right. And, um, which most people do. And that's why when people call me, cause their wife got diagnosed, most people beat it. Most people are going to be okay. That's the beautiful part about this. Right. Um, but for, it was, you know, God never took it off Rachel's heart that it was going to come back. Like she always would say that. And it kind of bothered me. I was like, great. Like, no, you can't live your rest of your life thinking this is going to come back. And she's like, I just, I just don't, I just don't know that it's gone. You know, <laughs> I mean, I was like, no, I, I could get it just as easily as you now. Like you're, it's gone. Um, but sure enough, uh, she started having back pains in August of 2019, like really bad debilitating back pain. Uh, and she knew she's like, it's back. And I was like, no, this is us getting old. Like my back hurts too. Like, I mean, literally that's, I remember this conversation, like, no, it's not. And I was just in denial. Um, and we went back to the doctor and they found, um, uh, cancer on her spine, uh, which if you Google that it's incurable because you can't remove bone, right. You know, like when it's in your bones, it's in your bones. And so, um, but even then it's like people live for 10, 15 years sometimes with that. Um, and, um, you know, we believed in miracles. And so we, we thought, you know, okay, we have time, you know? Um, and then, it just kept getting worse. Uh, we went everywhere, every professional we could go to all across the country to try to figure out how we could beat this. Um, and the, it just, it just wasn't getting better no matter what chemo or radiation or this or that. Um, then it ended up spreading into her spinal fluid. And then, um, on Christmas Eve, uh, we were at the mall seeing Santa Claus and Rachel collapsed. Um, and the kids didn't see it. It was such a blessing. Again, the kids were over here and we were over here and ambulance had to come, we went to the hospital. Um, and soon after that, they had found out they, they were able to say, show that it was in her brain. And, um, there was really no turning back. Um, at that point, uh, we tried everything we could. I beat myself up a lot for not doing more not going to more experts, not trying to, you know, fight more. Um, and I, that was a hard thing for me for a while until I realized I'm not God and it wasn't my battle and I couldn't fix it. And I, you know, I did everything I could, uh, but this wasn't my, my battle to win or lose. And um, in the end, we do believe Rachel won and Rachel's healed and Rachel doesn't hurt anymore. And there's no more uncertainty and there's no more pain and there's no more uh, appointments and um, that um, she's healed. And um, we are all, all believe that in my family and my kids talk about mommy every day being in heaven. And, um, and we talk, we talk about mommy with so much joy. It's a, it's such a beautiful thing, um, to, to watch them talk about their mommy and all the great memories. And for a while there was sadness and there's still a little bit of sadness, but it's much more joy. And that's, 
all due to Rachel and the way she handled it and the way she prepared us for a season that um, we had no idea we were going into until we did know, uh oh, this is where we are. And sooner than later, it's going to be just the four of us. And, um, and then one day it was. How old was she when she died? It's 38. Mm. Yeah, 38 years old. You're not supposed to die when you're 38 of breast cancer. Especially when you like do everything right. She ate healthy. She, she, she never smoked. She drank wine with me at night sometimes. Like, you know, like there was nothing, it shouldn't have been her, you know, but it was. And, um, it, a lot of it doesn't make sense. Um, but then so much of it does. And if any family could handle it, Rachel would always say we can, and y'all can. And so, um, uh, some families that may have crippled, some families that may have broke, some families may have turned away from God, some family, you know, and, and now I'm not saying we should be praised for this at all. This was Rachel's thing. Like we, we got this, we can handle this. No matter how this ends, we are equipped to do this, which I love that attitude towards it. So has it been about a year and a half? Yeah, we just hit a year and a half. September 1st was, was 18 months. Yeah. What's it been like parenting without Rachel? Well, so I think it would have been okay till COVID hit. And then <laughs> she, like, she passed away March 1st and then like March 13th, everything shut. Right. So like she wasn't, she prepared me for everything but COVID. Right. Like she didn't know this was, COVID. but again, man, you talk about like, oh my gosh. So we spent 39 nights in the hospital before she passed and the kids came up every day and, and people traveled from all over the country to see Rachel and say bye to Rachel. And Rachel witnessed to everyone that came in that room. It was literally the most incredible, like I had a front row seat to watch people be transformed. They'd come in and think they were saying bye to Rachel and Rachel would encourage them and she'd love on them and she'd hug them like uncomfortably long. She was so well known for just like not letting you go. Like even doctors, like they would come on their day off to be with Rachel, to to be ministered to, to be, it was the most incredible 39 nights. Now I say that because if it would happen two weeks later, no one would have been able to come. Like I've had friends that have now gone through this with their spouses where no one could go and they couldn't go. And so like, again, was there any doubt in this timing? No, like God's timing's perfect. As weird as it may feel at the time, like, I don't know what anyone believes here, but like for us, like that was, the timing was right. And um, I'm so grateful that it happened the way it did. And then my kids weren't teenagers, that they were at an age where they, they, I could still make an impression on them. You know, and I could still like say, hey, you know, like I think, right? Like, I'm just I, wondering if that's a good or a bad thing. Yeah, well, for, for me, and that, you know, that leads us to like Rachel and I never whispered about what was happening. We told our kids like from the beginning, like, mommy's got cancer. And, you know, as it got worse, like we talked about these things and we, because I didn't want my kids, if I kept saying, mommy's going to be okay, mommy's going to be okay until, she, and then one day she wasn't. Why would they trust me when I say anything? And so like, I'm thinking about my girls as teenagers and all I want them to do is trust daddy. And had I lied to them, knowing the doctors just told us, mommy's not gonna make it. Like mommy's not coming home. Um, I, couldn't, I couldn't find it in myself to, to lie to them when this is how it was gonna be. And I think that's helped over this last year and year and a half that they just trust me. They trust that daddy's, knows what he's doing and he and he has our best interest in mind and he's not going to lead us the wrong way 
And, um, and so, yeah, it's been a, it hadn't been the easiest year in the world. Um, but Rachel prepared us, man, she prepared us so well for what was to come. She even like had people set up to get the girl's hair done. Cause I'd never done that before. And she had people set up to get the girls to the dentist or the kids to the dentist. Cause I didn't do that. Like she had these, she knew like where I was going to be like missing it. And like, she spent her last days making sure that we were okay with the little things that they just wouldn't have gone to the dentist because I wouldn't have thought about it. And they wouldn't have got their hair done because I wouldn't have thought, about it. you know, like things that I just, as a dad, didn't think about as present as I was, I still didn't do a lot of those things that mommy did. You just said that they needed to trust that daddy knows what he's doing. And I'm just curious, do you know what you're doing? No, I don't no. know what I'm doing. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like if they were teenagers, they'd know. I don't know. <laughs> I think they're at the age where they know like, Oh, he, I think this guy's got it figured out. I have no idea what I'm doing. I struggle every day through it. Um, I, but man, we're a team and we, we work through things together. It's not always pretty. Matter of fact, it's ugly a lot, but, um, they are so loved and people have wrapped their arms around us. And, um, they always say, and I don't know what y'all felt about this, but they've said, they said that, well, after the first little bit, people are going to go back to their normal lives and they're going to forget about, I haven't felt that one bit. Like I feel more loved today than I did the day Rachel passed. People just have loved us and they've just um, stepped up in, in so many ways. And, and again, that has nothing to do with me. That's all because of the way Rachel loved and Rachel cared for people so deeply and everybody thought they were Rachel's best friend. And so when she has 60 best friends, they all want to help you in this season and they just continue to show up. We are so blessed. Man, I wish that we could hang out with her. She sounds yeah. so amazing. Yeah. Do you yeah. fill her around still sometimes? Oh my gosh. I mean, yes. And everything. Um, well, and, and she was a joker too. Like she was kind of a little prankster. And so the night she passed, like, I don't know, we don't know if I've ever told this story. The night she passed, um, she, she passed away at 434. And um, I told the kids, I knew it was getting close. And that, the hardest conversation I ever had was have to tell the kids, like, when mommy goes home to be with Jesus, daddy gets to come home. Cause I hadn't been home for 40 days. Like I'd been in the hospital every night. Right. And so they were like excited that at least daddy got to come home. You know, it was kind of a trade-off. Right. And um, so it was, it was 434 in the PM and uh, Rachel's parents were with the kids and um, we, we knew what it was happening. And um, I went and met my parents and my brother and my sister. And we, we had a drink and just talked about, okay, I mean, she had just passed and what now, and what does this look like? And I came home that night and I went and kissed all the kids and they were said, Oh, okay, daddy, you're home, you're home. And they were, they were like, oh, we're excited. You're home. So mommy's in heaven now. And yeah. And so we had, I had the conversation with all these kids and then Hadley comes down about 3 a.m and just throws up everywhere. And I don't do puke. The one thing I can't do is puke. I, I like puke all over my bed. She puked all over the bathroom and I'm, I'm dry heaving as I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to clean the. And at one point I literally just started laughing because I'm like, Rachel, you have got to be kidding me. You are somehow, <laughs> she had one sick. The next day she was fine. Like there was no, nothing. Right. And I, it was, one of the most traumatic experiences of my life. I lose my wife here and then I got to pick up puke and clean up all the, I mean, just, oh. And so, yes, I still feel her more in good than bad. But I think that night she was like, here, look what you, you need to be prepared because it ain't going to be easy without me. You never cleaned up puke in your life. 
but I'm just getting you started on the right track, you know? And so um, she's everywhere, man. I mean, she, she shows up and she, you know, she protects us and she shows up in some amazing ways. And, um, and we, we, we know mommy's around us and is, is, um, is walking, walking us through our days for sure. I think that she was just trying to get back at you for all the times that she'd cleaned up, throw up. And she was like, your turn. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh -huh. She was to her. That was no big deal to me. It was, uh, but she, yeah. And I think that's another thing, I guess I struggle a lot with too. Like I don't do sick. Well, I don't do like nursing pain. Well, like where she was just like nurse and she was psychiatrist and she was, um, you know, therapist and she, all these, like, she was all those things to my kids that, that I wasn't, I was dad and I was good cop and Rachel would be good cop and bad cop. And now I have to be good cop and bad cop. That's really hard for me. And so like all those things, all those roles that she played, like she was made, like our house was always clean. And now I have to have someone come do it. Cause I don't know how to do it all the time. Like I, I got to pick up all the time. She did. I never did the laundry and I'm not worthless, but I'm just saying like, she just loved doing <laughs> things. Right. And so now I do all the laundry and I do the sheets and I had to put the folded sheet, like the fitted sheet on the first time. And it was really hard for me to figure out without help. And like all these things you don't realize until you have to realize it. So what I'm saying, men, if men, listen, um, be grateful to your, to your wife and women too. be grateful to your husband for the things that he does, because you don't know what you don't know till you don't have it. And I can't believe how often she must've cleaned this place and how often she was doing laundry and how often she was doing all the things that like you turn around and it's a mess and I don't understand how it happens. But, um, and she did it with such a great attitude. Like, I never once heard her complain about like she was just are you sure rachel's a real person i'm starting to think that she's a figment of your imagination do you have photographic evidence that she exists? I do, yeah. okay just checking. i do have a question though can you fold the fitted sheet and if so can you teach me no i i crumple it up and i i it's i've given up i tried once and it was i even youtube it. i do a lot of youtube in that first month and some <laughs> things i just gave up on uh most things i gave up on and we just are kind of a, a disaster here that's so funny jason was the one who changed our sheets and so the first time I had to do the fitted sheet, I was so mad. I was like, this is not my job. Like, this is your job. I hate <laughs> this job so much. Because you get it on there and then it's like the wrong way. And then you have to pull it back off and then you swear and it's terrible. One day it all becomes your job. It's yeah. stupid. Also, the recycling was his job. And every <laughs> time I take out the recycling, I am mad. Brandon, you are really open with us. And it's so fun to hear you talk about all these things with Rachel and the kids and how your journey has been and your life with Rachel and now with Rachel on the other side. We were talking a little bit before we hit record about widowers not feeling like they would like to be open about these things. Can we talk about that a little bit? Will you share your perspective on the whys? And let's start that discussion because more guys need help. And that's good. I think, and maybe I'm wrong, Maybe I'm wrong. I think I think men in general are not as open to talk about their feelings and when they're hurt and when things are hard because we're supposed to be really tough and we're supposed to be manly. And I'm not saying that I'm not, but I know that I um, I need help and I struggle and I suck a lot of times and I need support and I'm not afraid to admit that. And um, and I also learned like people want to help. 
like people are dying to support and help when you're going through hard. And it doesn't have to be loss. It can be a divorce. It can be a, um, a breakup. It can be a, a kid who's on drugs. It can be whatever it is. Like we all have our hard. Everyone's going through a hard right now. A sick parent, whatever it may be. Um, and people really want to help and they want to show up. And a lot of times they don't know how to show up and they don't know what to do and they don't know what to ask. Um, and my, what I tell people now is just do, just do something because avoiding it and not talking about it, that doesn't help. That's actually a lot more awkward when I see you the next time that you just avoided the whole fact that my wife passed away, <laughs> you know, like let's, let's just even a message, you know, and I'm sorry, or, uh, you know, I I'm praying for you. I'm thinking of you whatever it is. Like I, um, those that just showed up without asking anything, I am forever indebted to. And those that continue to show up without asking and just do, um, not expecting anything in return, not expecting me to have a thank you card for them, not expecting me to, to, to post it on Facebook that, oh, look at what they did. Like just the, the people just loving people well. Um, and that's what Rachel did her whole life. She showed up well. And so I've just learned I can't do it alone. And so um, if I have to speak up, then been good. And, and um, more than that, I think that I want to be a voice for those that um, still have their spouse around, because I want you to realize how lucky you are. And um, tomorrow that could change. And it doesn't have to be a two-year battle with cancer. It can be a motorcycle accident. It can be walking across the street. It can be a heart attack. It can be like, you just don't know. And so try to appreciate and love and, um, and understand how good you have it till you don't have it. Um, and so if my story can say, oh, he had a healthy 38 year old wife that then one day wasn't, that could be me. Maybe I should appreciate what I have. Maybe I should be really good to what I have. Maybe I should spend time with what I have. Um, then, then, then that's, I don't know if I answered your question, but like, that's kind of my stance, like be better to your people today. Or you might find yourself having to put the fitted sheet on the bed. That's exactly how people to do that. Do you feel like before Rachel died, did you feel like you were more willing to access and talk about your feelings? And so this is just an extension of that. Or was that something that changed when she died and you were like, I'm in over my head. I need help. That's a really good question. And no one's Thank ever you. asked that. Yeah. Well done. Thank well you. done. Uh, Mel, you're up next. You come up with a good one. <laughs> oh, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Uh, no, um, I've always been, I've always written a lot and put things out there, but it was mainly about kids and le learning from kids and different things that had happened, you know, from our kids. Um, I don't think I, I think this calls me to really be in touch with life. I hurt and this is hard. And honestly, before this happened, I don't know that we dealt with a hard that was this, right? I mean, we had financial difficulties or we had like these, these little things or that, which are a big deal. Like before you lose someone, financial problems are a big deal. Before you lose someone, marital problems are a big deal. Before you lose someone, like those are all big deals. So I don't ever want to discount those things. But um, I think this was such a hard in a season of two years of this that um, we, we talked early on, we said, are we public with this or are we private with this? And there's no right or wrong. Like no matter what we decide to do, there's no right or wrong for us. We went public for a couple of reasons. One, we wanted as many people to pray for us as it would. And I figured the more that are praying, the better. So let's get it out there. And two was for awareness 
because Rachel was healthy one day and then one day she wasn't. And I can't tell you how many people have messaged me that they've been proactive and they've had their mammograms and they've done the things they need to do because of Rachel. And so if we can call someone else to catch it early, um, then kudos to, to, to us for actually talking about it. I have a question and I'm not sure if it will beat Anita's question, but that's fine because she likes to win. I do. Got it. Yes. Are you a proponent of therapy? Gosh, that's such a good question. Thank that you. Is, yes. Um, so I am. I am. So this is a, that's a really good question because um, one of my daughters is in therapy. Hadley's in therapy. Hadley um, loves therapy and, and um, looks forward to her therapy. Cooper wanted to have nothing to do with it. Cooper will talk to me about everything. Hadley won't. So Hadley needed that extension on a, a, a different voice and a different person to sit there and talk to. Uh, Cooper, she just, she's an open book. She'll tell me how she's feeling and you always know how she's feeling. While she's trying to light the house on fire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so, um, and Macklin, I think was a little too young. I mean, Macklin was, you know, four and a half or, or just turned five when, when Rachel had passed. And so, you know, he's already lived a third of his life, a quarter of his life without her. Right. And so um, it's a little different. And for me, so I did a little bit early on um, and I had never done therapy before. So I, I didn't know what I was walking into. And um, I don't know if there's client privileges or whatever, or I don't know what you call it, but he, 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 um, he said, there doesn't, you don't seem to need this anymore after like two, two sessions, because I just talked about it. Like I didn't, I wasn't holding it in. I, so I actually only did a couple sessions with him and my therapies in my writing and, and, and putting things out there and talking like, I, this is therapy for me, being able to tell Rachel's story and just talk about her and talk about what we're struggling with and what we're dealing with. But I didn't need someone on a couch to do that for me. Not that there's anything wrong with it because again, for Hadley, it's exactly what she needs. Um, and for some, I, I think it's absolutely what you need. And for, and some people tell me I have to have more. Um, I guess some people think there's things wrong with me still. Um, and there probably is, but for me, I feel like I'm in a really good place and the validation from that therapist saying, you're, you're okay. Like, come see me if you feel this or you need this or whatever. But, um, I haven't longed for that. I've, as long as I can write and put it out there and talk about it with people like y'all, that's my therapy. So do you get many widowers reaching out to you? No, that's, I don't. Um, very few, um, much more widows. Um, wait, how are they reaching out to you? Sliding into DM type (laughs) thing. It's, 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 um, they're just open to talk and they're struggling and they're grieving and they're, you know, and, and so I've become dear friends with, with a handful of widows that have become my people. And, um, it's, it's precious and, and I, and I love them and I adore them and I, and I hurt for them and we all lost our spouse in different ways. And so every story is different. And my, one of my best friends lost her husband a month ago, uh, with a heart attack and, and he's, 38 years old and one minute he's there, the next minute he's not. And I'm at his funeral a couple of weeks ago. And I just, I just hurt so much for them. Like I, I always say that, like we had two years to prepare. I don't know. I don't know y'all stories, but I don't know um, how people do it when they didn't have that, when they didn't get to say bye and they, their kids didn't get to say bye. And, and so I, that to me, I, I can't fathom. I'm so blessed. I had 
two years, even though it was painful to watch and I couldn't fix it. And it was a struggle many, many days. And we got to say bye uh, and we got to prepare and I don't know how. So yeah, I, uh, but no, to answer your question, maybe I've heard from three widowers. Yeah, that sounds like on brand as far as a ratio of what we've found too, like as far as how many widowers participate or are willing to reach out. So yeah, interesting. Yeah. We have asked many people if they would trade a sudden death for a long-term death. And I've been really surprised that almost nobody would switch. Mm-hmm. So Mel and I both, yeah, Mel and I both had sudden deaths. Like our husbands were alive and then they were dead. And we've interviewed tons of people who've had cancer deaths and nobody would switch. So there's really no good answer to yeah. how to die. That's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, your story is your story. And and yeah. I, I wouldn't, what I, do I want Rachel back? Yes, absolutely. But I, I wouldn't trade the story for anything because this is just how it was going to be. And um, I'm glad I had 10 years with her. I'm glad my kids got the time they got with her. I'm glad all her friends got the time. Their parents had 38 years with her. You know, like we are so lucky. And I wish I would have got to meet her because even to have 10 minutes with Rachel was was such a special time. I want to ask you a practical question. Okay. Um, so I'm a mom. I have four kids. And I have often imagined if Jason, my husband's name, Jason, if he would have lived and I would have died. And I think that for men in our culture, men are generally seen as the breadwinner and the person who has to provide for the family. And I feel like being a widower would come with some real stresses in a really practical way. Like now you're supposed to still take care of your family financially and you're thrown into all of the childcare as well without the benefit of being able to have feelings. How do you work and take care of your kids and do all of these? How do you, how do you do it? And lots of grace from a lot of people. Um, I mean, from the school teachers understanding my situation to like their, um, my, 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 my company, like I didn't work for, I didn't work for seven months. I didn't do a thing for when she was sick and got really sick and then we're in the hospital. And then three months after that, I didn't do a thing. And my paycheck kept coming. My business kept growing. Um, even when I was ready to come back, you know, a few months after Rachel passed, my business partners were like, you can take more time. And, you know, any time that I, my, my kids get off the bus at 2.52 every day and I'm done. Like, I don't, I don't do anything else for work. Like that's my, cause work starts then. Like the true work starts when the kids get off the bus. Like, and we have to get everything together and then we have to do homework and we have to do snacks and then we have to get to bed or dinner in bed at some point. And so like, I've, I, it's just grace. People have given me so much grace and, um, and have just loved on us so well, uh, that again, it's a struggle and it's ugly a lot of days, but, um, I'm grateful for the people that surrounded us and have continued to surround us. And I think, again, I'll go back to Rachel just loving people so well while she was here. And if you learn nothing from this, you might want to love people well, just in case something happens to you, because people will be there to help. Just in case you die. Just in case you die, you should really be good to people because, you know, um, I haven't, I haven't felt that 
I mean, there are so many hard days and there's so many times like, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know how to do this. And I but um, most days are good and most days are okay. And most days have a lot more laughter and joy in them than sadness and down times. Um, and um, again, we got to prepare for it. So it, it was it was what we knew was coming. Um, but uh, would Rachel do a much better job than I'm doing? Absolutely, no doubt about that. Uh, and would the kids probably be happier with her than me? Probably so most days, but they got the short straw. I'm here, they're stuck with me. Uh, and I'm super valuable now to them because they need one of us. And so if it's gonna be one of us and it had to be me, they need me around. So I'm gonna stick around for a while. Since you and Rachel had that two years to discuss things and, and go on that journey together, did she have any, not plans, but did she have any wishes for you as far as what your life would look like after she passed away with finding somebody else? Yeah, that's a, a, another great question. That might be too well, and I'm just kidding. Uh, also, I, I asked the fitted sheet question, so I have three. Thank you. <laughs> Anita, you got two more. <laughs> You know, that's another, like Rachel's intuition was, was incredible. Cause after we had Macklin, my plan was to, to get snipped. Like I didn't want any more kids. She didn't want any, like we were done with that. And she wouldn't allow me to do it. Cause she said, what if something happens to me? What if something happens to me and you want to have kids? And I said, well, even if something happens to you, I don't want to have any more kids. I'm good with my three. That's what she's like, what your next wife might want to just in case like this was like where she was i'm like you're so weird like don't say this <laughs> like that is so stupid so that being said um when she did get sick and then when she got really sick um she was like absolutely you find love again and you find those kids a mommy that will love them and that will take good care of them and someone that will love you and take good care of you and she shared that with her parents so her parents were super open to me moving on one day, which made that a lot easier. Um, I don't know if y'all are dating or anything, but I know when you do start dating, if you do, it's always too soon for some people. And some people think it's it should never happen and you're not gonna please everybody. But for me, knowing that Rachel had said, you absolutely, I mean, it was actually our last date night we had in the hospital. We went and got popcorn at the movie theater so she could watch a movie in her bed and she wanted a movie theater popcorn and we had a date night and that's what we talked about. We talked about just moving on and that I had her blessing. She said, let's not do it two weeks from now, but you know, maybe six months, eight months, whatever that may be. Um, she said, absolutely. You need to, you need to be happy. And what a lame date. I mean, yeah, what about, yeah, yeah. Talking and, about death with popcorn and <laughs> go get remarried. But isn't that the way to do it with popcorn yes. if you're going to do it? That's right. Yeah. I well, mean, she said, I told you, you shouldn't get snipped. Like that was her, <laughs> like one of her final last things. Right. And so um, she was, she was always the jokester, but all she, she supported that. And I don't know if I'd have been that way. I don't know that I would have been that selfless. I, I can't tell you that I would have been like, please go find someone else that's going to take care of you and, you know, my kids. But that's where she was. She Maybe much she's just worried about how you're going to take care of her kids. It could have been that too. It could have been a lot of that. <laughs> Rachel sounds like she had a shorter life on the planet because she just knew how to live and was such a good example for everybody around her. And like, she's done. And she left this legacy and these examples and these people 
so that they can then pass that on too. What an amazing lady. And it shows that you are also amazing, Brandon, because you are part of Rachel. I mean, and you know, yeah, good team. That's why I chased her, That's why I chased her for 10 years because I knew <laughs> she was amazing. You're right. And I've never heard it say, said that way. Like her work was done. Like she loved so well and so hard for 38 years and gave everyone everything. The most selfless person as she lived and as she died, she was so selfless. And, um, and what a legacy she has, has left because she just, she loved people so well and, and people have continued to want to love more like Rachel did. And that's, it's been beautiful to watch. Stupid death. I know. I'm still bummed out that we don't get to hang out there. But how in the world would we even know about Rachel if she had not died? You know what I mean? And that is the conundrum of this whole podcast. Yes. We wouldn't even know there was a Brandon Janice in Knoxville, Tennessee, who we needed to talk to. Okay. Anita, do you have any more questions? Because I have the question. I don't know if you get to ask the question because you've had three good questions. All right. Well, everybody, I'm going to let Anita ask the question since I have had so many good questions and she needs since to catch she's up. she's winning the questions. Brandon, this is the most important question. If you answer it wrong, you are struck from our nervous. presence. So yeah, nervous. I know you should be. What is your favorite cheese? Oh, that's easy. <laughs> it's it's habanero jack, like spicy cheese. Like that's what I had last night. It was uh, like that and crackers all day long. You have passed the test. You are not thrown from the bridge. <laughs> that is for sure the right answer. So I don't know what, <laughs> but they're wrong. We get a lot of pepper jacks. Yeah, pepper jack, pepper jacks right there. But habanero, a little bit spicier. Yeah. Don't people say Swiss, do they? We've never had a Swiss, have we, Mel? Not one time, because it's gross. Because those people, you never invite. Yeah, I think you do, friend. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I love people well, but when it comes to cheese, if Swiss is your favorite, you're out on me. That's like my dad. It's his favorite cheese, and your I'm dad like, also loves raisins. So something is broken in his. Is self. Swiss cheese a boomer thing? That sounds Maybe. like an old man thing. I feel like that's an old raisins and Swiss cheese. That's for sure. <laughs> Thing. Yeah, that's great. I, I can't wait to. Oh, you would say love hi. him. He's amazing. Yeah, but awesome. he, one time he was like, <laughs> to my husband that is dead. My husband loved chocolate so much, like addicted to it. It probably contributed to him dying. And my dad's like, Scott, did you know that the most popular cookie among men is oatmeal raisin and not chocolate chip? And we were like, Dad, where did you get this information? And Scott's just like, I'm not going to say anything. My dad's 73. It's like, just you let him talk. It's all good. That's so good. That is like so not true. I just can't imagine. It's because he made it up in his mind. (laughs) That's my dad. It's an old people thing. Old people like different food. They like Boston baked beans. They like. I like Boston baked beans. Remember, well, you're also a boomer. Yeah, I love I the boomers, but you know, I'm old too. Though I'm old, I'm getting there. I'll probably start liking raisins and Swiss cheese before you know it. Ooh, I don't know about the Swiss cheese. I like Swiss cheese on a sandwich. I'm not opposed to it. If there's nothing else available, <laughs> there's truly no- okay. Goat cheese? Are you a yay or a nay? Uh, if there's nothing else available. Okay. Blue cheese. Yay or nay? Uh, on my, on my wedge salad, mm-hmm. blue cheese crumbles. Yes. But okay. just to eat now. This is like a, the polarizing cheeses that we've just gone through. 
Yeah. That was good. Very important. Okay. I can see why y'all had a hundred episodes. We ask the hard hitting questions. People have to wait to find out though what the final <laughs> question answer was. And then sometimes we forget to ask people because we have widow brain. So yeah, but we remember to ask you. Well, thank y'all for this. This has been amazing. Brandon, thank you so much for joining us and being yet another, not yet another, just another voice for the widower community. We appreciate you giving us some time and we hope everybody has found this episode to be helpful. You can find Brandon on Instagram, right? What's your Instagram name? Is it just your name? Janice. I'm the only Brandon Janice in the world. So J-A-N-O-U-S. And so. we will link to that in the show notes if you are interested in following him and you don't know how to spell Janice. <laughs> Thank you. You can do it there. Remember to check out the Widow Wives Club on Facebook. Answer all the questions, including agreeing to the group rules. We really, really won't let you in if you don't answer the questions. And it makes us sad. I know. It's the worst. Uh, but that's why our group is so fun. Yes, because we make sure we all belong. And then if you want to keep the podcast going, check out the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash WWDN. If you want to buy us tacos, check out buymeacoffee.com slash now. And until we get to talk to you again, I'm Anita. I'm Mel. And I'm Brandon. We're just two young widows and one widower who was married to a figment of his imagination. And we're trying to figure out... Whoa. What do we do now? (laughs) Finn's upset about something. This is my favorite thing to discuss with you. Tell me. What is it? One of my favorite things. I do enjoy tacos and cheese and dogs. This is about how you cannot pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a phone plan, especially when you're a widow, your person is dead, you might have kids, you might need another option, and you just want your phone to work, you want unlimited texting and service, and you want it to be like 25 bucks a month. It blows my mind that they have plans that start at $15 a month. That is so cheap. And the cool thing is, is it uses other 5G networks. And so you don't have to pay extra for that. And you still get great service. Yep. Anita and I have traveled all over and I have used my phone. So I highly recommend it. And my mom's even on it. When my dad died, we put his phone down to the cheapest plan, which is $15 a month. And I think my mom's on the $20 a month plan and it's so worth it. It's so much cheaper than what we were all paying before. So I highly recommend it if you're on a budget or not, who cares? Ryan Reynolds is in charge of the company and they send you free stickers with Ryan Reynolds temporary tattoos. It's kind of the best. So. If somebody wants to sign up, what can they do, Anita? Go to trymintmobile.com slash WWDN. Seriously, you guys, such a great idea. Save yourself some money. And if you're worried about losing data or having any changes with your phone, not going to happen. They walk you through it. Everything's fine. It's the easiest process of all time. Again, that's trymintmobile.com slash WWDN.